0: It's Film Friday. This week, James Bond and Leo DiCaprio's mom, Caroline, breaks bad. Welcome back, guys. Uh, we're we're going to switch it up on you guys a little bit. I don't want you guys thinking that I only watch dramas or what have you. Um So we're switching it up. We're going to watch a little bit of a comedy. I guess not a little bit. of. We're going to watch a comedy today. Uh, So hopefully you guys are are ready for this one. I'm hoping that the post-production segment is going to be hilarious um, based off how much I enjoy the film. So get ready. Put your seatbelts on. Today, this Friday, we're watching The Outlaw which can be found on Netflix. I believe it's a Netflix original. Um I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it is. So yeah, it's been popping up on the um, you know, the top 10 thingy or whatever and apparently it's been in the top 10 for 4 weeks now. Typically I don't go by whatever's on the top 10. I don't really care. Um because Tiger King was top 10 for who knows how long and I'm not even going to waste my time watching that. So yeah, anyway. So um, yeah, today we're going to be reviewing The Outlaws on Netflix. It is rated horror. So action comedy and I uh, think it said crime. 95 minutes. So let's see. It is directed by Tyler Spindle. And I was attracted by this um when I saw it because Adam Devine is in it. And he's always he's the guy who was in like pitch perfect and he has this lovable quality about him. Like I'm not the biggest fan of his the things he's in. And I don't mean that that's not a dig against him. There's a dig more so against the type of comedies that he's normally in. But I always like and enjoy watching him. So Mr. Adam Devine, he was in Pitch Perfect, Workaholics. Um it was in something else I just watched the other day, uh, before I started doing this podcast thing, and I can't remember the name of it. It had to do with um a a phone that was talking to Jexy Jexy it was <laughs> so stupid anyway so uh yeah Adam Divine I like that guy like I said movies are okay but I there's something there's a charm about him that let's do it so anyway Adam Divine starring he's the lead we also have Mr. Pierce Brosnan the um 007 of course Ellen Barkin is is, is oh, excuse me man Ellen Barkin is in it. We're going to leave that. We're going to leave it. We're, you know, we're, we're not perfect around here. So we're just going to leave it in there. So Ellen Barkin's in there from the fan. Uh, Nina Dobrev, excuse me. I almost messed that name up. She was in Perks of a Wallflower. She's in there. And Michael Rooker, which is kind of cool. She was also in um, Miss Nina. She was also in Let's Be Cops, which is hilarious to me. Hilarious, not hilarious. Hilarious. So yeah, I've seen all these actors work, so I'm really interested in what they do for this film. I haven't seen the trailer for this one. So we're just going to dig right into it. It looks like uh, going back to The Outlaws, it was directed by Tyler, Mr. Tyler Spindle. And when I looked him up on IMDb, a rather young guy. So good for you, sir. And he's directed about 12 features at this point, and a lot of them, well, excuse me, roughly 12. A lot of them, he works a lot with Adam Sandler, like a lot. And I mean, his list goes on and on. Like I was like, for example, he, of course, he did this. He did Murder Mystery, which is Adam Sandler, Sandy Wexler, Adam Sandler, The Do-Over, Adam Sandler, Blended, Grown Ups 2, That's My Boy, Jack and Jill. He loves some Adam Sandler. So I hope I like this. Here's the thing. OK, I know i playing devil's advocate here with Adam Sandler. There are people who love his movies. And I respect the hell out of Adam Sandler. That man hustles. That man has created his brand. That is all his, and no one else can do what Adam Sandler does. One of my favorite things he did was Little Nicky. Hilarious. I don't know why, but it was funny to me. Like he played the devil, um, or he was the the son of the devil that went out into the regular world. It was re- <laughs> ridiculous that was probably one of my favorite Adam Sandler movies but I'm not a big like water boy like anytime he's acting should I say too goofy not the biggest fan click when he had remote control that was kind of cool and I saw the first grown-ups I didn't go watch the second one the first one was kind of cool but I've never been the biggest fan of Adam Sandler but man do I respect that guy I hands down but anyway Tyler apparently likes to work a lot with Adam Sandler so It'll be interesting to see if Adam Sandler has a um, a cameo in this that's not listed in the credits right now. But the Adam Sandler connection continues because Happy Madison Productions is the production company for the Outlaws. And in case people don't know, um, Happy Madison, being one of Adam Sandler's first movies, is his production company. So he's actually one of the producers on here, as well as Mr. Adam Devine, which is Fantastic. Look at that. That's so cool. I love actors that put their own career into their own hands. You know, like that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I I do with my films as far as writing, producing them and acting in them. And that's my intent down the line. Once I start making bigger projects under the the umbrella of J.E. Phoenix Entertainment, it is to produce work for myself as well. I'm going, I'm just going to steal the whole Adam Sandler, Vin Diesel thing and just run with it. You know, that, that's the whole plan. So we're going to be watching, um, yeah, the outlaws. I don't know. I have no idea this to be completely honest with you. Isn't my typical type of comedy that I I'm normally attracted to, to watching. So it'll be interesting. Let's see, before we get started, just want to go ahead and give, as usual, the log line. So here on Pro, a straight-laced bank manager about to marry the love of his life when his bank is held up by infamous ghost bandits during his wedding week. He believes his future in-laws, who just arrived in town, are the infamous outlaws. So that tag right there is, it was like, okay, Adam Devine's in it. I like Adam Devine. Let's watch it. Pierce Brosnan is always like charismatic and fun and enjoyable to watch, you know. But then I read that log line, I was like, "Okay, let's give let's give it a whirl. Let's see." So, um, thank you guys. This is episode we did Tin and Tina. We did the clone Tyrone, and we yeah, this is going to be number three. So that is yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, like I said, we're going to shake it up. Once again, on this podcast, we cover any genre. It doesn't really matter. And once again, it could be streaming. It could be in the theaters. If I have to borrow a DVD or a VHS from somebody because I've never seen something, then that's the intent on this. It is the first time I'm watching it. You're going to get my unscripted, unapologetic opinion of it. Um, What I'm to expect from this film. I like Adam Devine. I do once again he has that like oh that guy like i feel as though he would be a cool guy to be friends with you know what i mean but once again not the biggest fan of his film i'm not going i'm trying my best not to let that deter it normally i just go in there i just even whatever preconceived notions i may have based off the previous work i still go in with fresh eyes you know like for example and just 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 so you know that i'm not like bullshitting you with this Um, What's the guy um, who was in Vivarium and Ultraviolet? He played Lex Luthor. Man, Jesse Eisenberg. I am not a Jesse Eisenberg fan. I am not. But I'll tell you one thing. Ultraviolet, I think that's what it was called. The one he did with the, the girl from Kristen from Twilight. I enjoyed that pretty decently. And then I watched Vivarium and I really enjoyed that. So just because I say, oh, I'm not a fan of their previous work or typically doesn't mean that whatever work I am experiencing at this point will affect that. Just wanted to give you an example. So buckle on your seatbelts, guys, we're nearing 10 minutes, so I don't want to talk too much. We're going to go ahead and watch the show and then we'll take a break. And as usual, we'll come back and we'll give a breakdown. And as usual, oh, I think one thing I'm going to start doing is during the break, I'm going to give a preview, a sneak preview of the next film that I'm going to be doing. So I think that's what's going to happen. So uh, see you guys for intermission. You'll hear what's coming up next down in Pipeline, and then we'll get back to the segment. Hope you guys enjoy. Thank you guys for listening. much for listening to the first segment for our movie review of The Outlaws on Netflix. Thank you so much uh, for being here. This is what, the fourth episode? So if you've been listening to the previous three, thanks so much. Make sure to share, tell your friends, etc, etc, blah, blah, blah. Rate five stars will be greatly appreciated. But seriously, I just want to give you guys a little, little sneak peek of our upcoming show. It will be covering... Drum roll, please. OK, hopefully um, I found an awesome drum roll to put right there. <laughs> anyway, uh, next week, we're going to be reviewing Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. Yes, that's right. We're going to watch a 70 year old Tom Cruise do what he does best. And it's run all the damn time. So, yeah, make sure you guys tune in next week. We're going to go ahead and discuss Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. Hopefully you guys will be there. Thank you so much. And now let's go ahead and kick off for the second portion of the show, the post-production segment of The Outlaws. Thank you guys for listening to Flicks and Scripts. See you guys next week. Hey, folks, thank you for uh, still sticking it around with me. That's weird. Sticking around with me. Is that what I sticking around and listening to me? How about that? There we go. We're going to keep that mistake in there. Once again, you know, flaws are an important aspect of art, you know? Uh, That's kind of the point of this podcast, you know, it's subjective as well, too. Anywho, (laughs) thank you guys so much for uh, listening in for the first portion of this particular episode. So and and welcome back. We're here. We've watched The Outlaws. And now it's time for our post-production segment. That's right. So, um, Yeah. You know what? Out of the gate, before I go into the breakdown, I got to say that for what the film was, is, should I say, I enjoyed it. Let's just say it like that. OK, now let's break it down a little bit because it's a little bit more complex than that per usual. So. uh <laughs> So, yeah. First thing off the. Let's talk about the uh the thing that excited me the most about this particular film is the production design. Holy shit, guys, I absolutely loved, loved the production design of this particular film. I mean, it, it was one of the, you know, to me. I feel as though the production design is one of those elements that should almost be, and, and I could be, you know, alone in my, my thought process when I say this, but I thoroughly believe that production design is one of those elements of a film that is hidden or should be hidden because you don't want to draw too much attention to it. Like like that's that's almost any aspect of the filmmaking process, I believe, should be hidden to the point that it doesn't scream out at you, look at me. I'm doing something. I'm production design. I'm the camera movement or you know, I'm acting or whatever the case may be. It should be a for the most part a believable world that Exist, you know, the suspension of disbelief, at least that's my opinion when watching films. Now, I do believe TV series can blur that line a little bit, especially sitcoms, uh, because you might go into more hyper realism. But when it comes to film, unless it is a. Satire piece or something very meta, then I believe that all the pieces should fit together seamlessly like a seamless puzzle but you can't have the production the 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 film project without each one of these if that makes sense the production design was amazing apparently Mr. John Billington was the uh production designer <laughs> and it looks like maybe the um art director as well question mark at least according to imdb so maybe that means he didn't have a a huge team possibly for you know for this particular production so uh i don't know why it would say art director as well too because i'm in here looking at some of his credits and it doesn't necessarily say that he was the art director so that's a little confusing But anyway, oh, cool. Sorry, I'm looking at IMDb Pro. And um, there's a gentleman named Michael Woodruff, who was the location manager and production manager. And I happen to know this guy. Well, at least he was connected on this film. That's pretty cool. Um, So, yeah, John Billington, man, I loved what he did with this. So it looks like he production designed Pacific Rim. Geostorm, World War Z, World War Z had an amazing production design, in my opinion, you know. Oh, from hell. Wow. He did that. He was set designer for that one. So production designer for Geostorm, World War Z, and Pacific Rim Uprising, which was the second one. Man, he's done a lot of stuff I've seen. He was the assistant art director for The Bone Collector, set designer for Enemy at the Gates, set designer for Un. From Hell, wow! Set designer for Titanic, uncredited. Anyway, this man has been—I like all of his stuff. I really need to hone in on him, but man, I think he did a phenomenal job from a production design standpoint. I loved the uh, the costuming <laughs> that was in. I feel as if the costuming was was done subtly. To the point where each character or the characters had their own design, which fit perfectly with their character, where we had Ellen and Pierce had kind of the retiree look where it's, oh, we're, you know, we have some money and we're retired where it's not gauche, but it was a little hmm, eclectic, but Gentlemen, I don't, you know, I, hmm, I feel as though it, it presented them as retire, you know, retirees with a little bit of money with style, style, you know, but it wasn't over the top. It wasn't gauche. And, uh, oh, man, she had this, this, that green floral jacket, which I feel I wouldn't ordinarily like on somebody. (laughs) If I seen them like out in public, I'm like, whoa, you're doing a lot. But with the character that she was portraying, I think her name was Lily. I've might have see this is might be I'm doing a lot of this off the cuff, as you may know. So maybe I need to write down character names at a minimum. But um her character had this eccentric kind of feel and I loved it. And oh man, they had these glass first of all, I love the glasses. The sunglasses are amazing. I think I saw uh, an Variety episode or something like that with Pierce Brosnan, and he talked about his amazing sunglass collection. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive that I watched that and I was like, this man has some fantastic style in sunglasses. And in this movie, he had at least four or five pairs of sunglasses, and they were freaking amazing. Like, I kind of want to just raid his sunglasses. and the thing is, he he rocked it with so much like pizzazz, not pizzazz. Is it pis- pistache? Is that the word? I might be seen. Mm. Anyway, he had this elegant, cool, suave nature with all those glasses, but she even joined him because she had these glasses with, with the frame that had this green tint, but it wasn't in your face green, it was subtle that happened to coincide with the jacket, and it was all of these decisions. The costume was amazing. Everybody stayed in their um, their lanes, and it wasn't calling out too much attention. Other than Adam Devine's character, which had blues happening a lot of times, so his character stuck out. But I feel as though that was a conscious decision because he is almost. A bit aloof, I want to say, his character and the costuming helped to sell that where he stuck out when everybody else kind of not blended in a bad way, but blended, you know. So I really like that whole aspect of it and the the colors used within like the palette that Mr. Billington and the director and what have you chose. I love the palette. It was amazing. These subtle greens, almost nature-like colors—you know, greens, browns, creams—loved it. Loved, loved the. <laughs> I can't say anything about this production design. Loved it, man. Uh Also, wh- why you know why we're talking on production design? Let's talk about that cemetery chase stunt scene. That was phenomenal, man. And I'm I you know, if this wasn't like a fresh from watching unscripted kind of thing. I would love to do, this is one of these things where I talk about it and then I'm gonna go do some more research because that sequence was amazing. I want to say, first off, off the top of my head, I don't recall seeing a sequence like that in the film yet. We've seen plenty of chases, you know, car chases and things of that nature. But The way they did it going to the cemetery was unexpected. I did not expect that. And it it was awesome because it also gave the characters some time to play. Whereas Pierce and Ellen's characters, who are bank robbers in this situation. So technically bad guys, you know, but they still have a bit of a moral code, so to speak, where they just felt this, you know, a little ashamed and bad about literally knocking over headstones. And it was, I mean, I perked up watching that, that sequence. So the production design was fantastic. And I just wonder how many of these headstones did they have to place? And that that's, oh man, this production, I'm telling you, I love this production design. That's that sequence alone was amazing. And I'm wondering like, did they make this whole cemetery in general specifically for this and I I, want to feel as though they did especially with how many how much stunt work went into it and how many headstones were smashed and cars flipping I feel as though they found a hill with maybe a street or something like that and just created an entire cemetery and bravo because that shit was badass production design and since we're talking about it let's talk about the stunts I guess that's a good segue into stunts right we talked about production design a little bit I was not at all expecting the stunts that were in this film. I was shocked in the best way possible. I really thought I went in, you know, as you heard in the first segment, not really knowing what to think and just trying to wipe the slate clean, then expected to have this much action inside of this film. I thought it was going to be more of just like a situational kind of, you know, uh, I'm in awkward situation comedy, but that stunt sequence in the cemetery. Oh man, that was great, man. Great. And like I said, I don't, I don't recall seeing a stunt like that. And I feel as though the characters, the Pierce and Ellen's character and how they were reacting to running over, you know, like, Oh, you know, Oh, Please forgive us and everything else. I feel as though, and hopefully, and hopefully, I'm not wrong in this understanding that if anybody was watching this, seeing that happen, just imagining, you know, that suspension of disbelief of being in this world, and you know, y- y- your meemaw or peepaw is buried at this cemetery, you know, and you turn on the news and find out. Because there's probably not any live coverage necessarily. There's probably post coverage. But you turn the news and you find out that there was a crazy car chase into the cemetery. And they just showed the destruction of all these headstones and police cars turned over as wreckers are coming to move the cars out of the way and clean up all the stuff. And just imagine like the horror that if you were living in this world would experience if you turn on the news and you find out this shit happened, you know, and you're like, Oh, what the, you know, what the fuck? Wait, did they, did they just obliterate this expensive? Cause you know, our American society like that burial and headstones, it's a crazy expensive process, you know? And just to imagine that all of your money or whatever. And, and I mean, do you have insurance on headstones and stuff like that? This is a question I don't know. So I mean, if there but I also feel as though if you bury a loved one, you buy an expensive headstone, marble, or whatever, that do you get like, oh hey, you want to buy this insurance packet for this headstone? I'm like, why? You know, in case of a natural disaster, like like what's gonna destroy this headstone? aside from an earthquake. So if you're not in an earthquake prone area, why does it matter? You know, uh, do you get protection from lightning strikes? But also, even if that is baked into the insurance program for repairs or whatever, is police cars smashing into your headstones under that policy? Or are you just like screwed, you know, especially with the way insurance companies work? I'm pretty sure you're just going to be SOL. But anyway, like I said, the horror of seeing a news program and just wondering, holy shit, is Peepaw and Meemaw's headstone still there? And you go and it's not. Or then on the flip side of that, the relief that, <laughs> the relief that, oh my, oh, sh- okay. I hope Peepaw's, uh isn't destroyed. And you go to him like, oh, whoo! All right. Thank goodness. But then like, six inches away there is a absolutely destroyed so do you feel bad about their headstone but you're happy that you didn't do it and or if it oh no I don't, you know i don't want the insurance you know stuff what's the worst that's going to happen to this headstone now that it's here huh come on no skip on insurance i would be that person to skip on that insurance and then <laughs> kicking myself in the in in, in the in the ass because I should have took out the insurance because this guy has driven a police chase through this shit. Anyway, that's what. Sorry, that's what I was thinking. I was watching this stunt scene. I was like, "This is awesome! This production sign is amazing." I haven't seen a stunt scene like this, and then also like, "Holy shit, that's messed up." Anyway, um, I will say that I greatly enjoyed the stunt, even the the stunt sequence at the cake. Tasting facility, restaurant, what business shop made that cake wedding cake shop thing. That was well done. The choreography with the characters, stunt choreography with the characters was well done. I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised at how good the stunt work was in this movie. Like I was, I, it wasn't what I was expecting. Once again, I didn't watch the trailer or anything like that or didn't read anything about it. So it was a pleasant surprise that I thoroughly enjoyed. I will tell you 100%. Now, let's get into... So, we talked about a little bit of the stunt work. We talked about the action sequence, the production design, Uh sound design. Sound design, I thought, was well done. It was... It's not anything to write home about, if that makes sense. I just think it was well done. It went... It worked well with what we were watching. So, great. You know, good job on that. I feel as though sometime... Sound design is probably one of the most invisible aspects of a film unless a particular film calls for the sound design to be more impactful and call attention to itself. So as far as cinematography and camera work, there were a lot of great gags. They did a couple gags with the camera work with Adam Divine. What You know, I said in the pre-segment. Adam Devine is one of these actors that has this charisma about him. But then at the same time, I'm like, "Mm." And, and I think watching this, I realize it. And this is in no way a slight against him. I think I realize sometimes my issue with Adam Devine's performances is I do feel as though he pushes a little further than necessary, especially with. He's a very facial actor in, 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 the, in the vein of Jim Carrey. And it's not a slide against Jim Carrey either, but they act a lot with their faces, you know. And I grew up watching a lot of Jim Carrey films and things of that nature. This is, of course, before I start getting into acting and just my personal subjective feeling and the, the performances I gravitate to don't do a lot of the more over-the-top facial Performances. So I think that's why. But I do like his physical abilities as a physical comedian, I think, as well. Like when he got on a branch, I thought that was nicely done. That was kind of cool. I love how he uses his voice to deliver a comedy. I will say that. Like his vocal inflections, I, I love it. Uh, but once again, like the face stuff, sometimes I feel as ad- though he overdoes it. There were the one camera scene that I, I, I didn't like in particular was the scene when he's talking to the in-laws and they're all on the couch and he was talking about passing out in a, in the child's pose, which was fine. That in itself was funny. He got down, did the physical comedy bit. My, the the What I wasn't a big fan of was the camera angle where they clearly, I feel as though they're using it for a sight gag where they he's in child's pose, his head, his face down on the floor is facing the in-laws. Wife is adjacent to him to his right. And then they show a uh, cutaway of him in child's pose with his ass up in the air. And I feel as though that could have been handled a little better I would have liked it if it was done a little bit differently because I feel as though part of the funny part is supposed to be, "Oh, look, he got his ass in the air," but I feel as though it was. I feel as though they could have not milked it because that's wrong. They could have used that camera angle to get a better laugh in my in my opinion. I feel as though if. If we had more of the reaction of Pierce and Ellen in that shot with maybe like the ass in the foreground and then them in the background would have been would have worked. Or even if he did child's pose and he was parallel to them instead of his head facing so that we get the ass shot and their reaction. I feel as, And it was such a wide angle shot. You didn't really get a lot of their reaction and Pierce and Ellen are freaking phenomenal actors you know what I mean so it's not because they weren't acting I just feel as though you couldn't really register their thought process with such a wide angle just to show the ass so that angle didn't really like as far as cam work but the other camera stuff I thought was nice they had some nice match cuts in there and they used some cam work for some of the gags which was pretty funny so well other than that one that stuck out like a sore thumb I liked everything else they did I will say it's hour 37 minutes. It took me to the 19 minute mark roughly before I started getting into it. And that was primarily because Adam Devine was on screen by himself. Once again, not a slight against him, but I feel as though akin to the Jim Carrey situation because his performances are so energetic facially, body, vocally that. It works better when you have a straight man, a straight man or woman playing against him, right? So, like most comedies, so of course you have to have a straight—not have to, but it's better if you have a straight man or somebody being straight in that scene because it it will show what the normal reaction would be or what have you. Like I love Jason Bateman; he is one of the best straight men actors out there. Period, in my opinion. So. It started really picking up steam and started, in my opinion, getting a little bit funnier and better when he was able to play off of the seriousness of Pierce Brosnan and Ellen Barkin. And that's where it was like, okay, I'm enjoying this a little bit more. So now it was around a, like I said, 20 minute mark. I think they went skydiving kind of sort of. And, uh, well, they did go skydiving, excuse me. And that's when the funny started happening. I think that's when it started hitting its stride. The pacing picked up a little bit more as well. The first 20 minutes was a little slower to me. And it was just Adam Devine being kind of goofy with not that many people. And they had a, oh man, I'm forgetting. What is the, the actor? He was also in um, Get Out, actually, t- little Lil Rel Howery. Um, he was in Get Out as well too. But Lil Rel, being a comedian, you would have him in there and then Adam Revine. So both of them being funny, and it's like, okay, funny, funny. Who, who we need somebody to play the straight man? And for example, Lil Rel, when he had the scene with the parents, hilarious with the parents and Michael Roker. That was good because he was able to shine doing his comedian comedian thing while everyone else was being straight, even though the mom and dad Who's named Richard Kine and Julia Haggerty? They are hilarious to me. And Richard Kine is freaking amazing because he plays funny so well without being over top. It's just like this natural. I don't know. <laughs> every time I see him, he just his performances crack me up. I love it. And Julia, she has this Julie, excuse me. I'm sorry. Julie. She has this like uh out of the loop motherly character comedy bit and I just love when when I see either one of them but them together as parents the casting of this show was amazing it was great it was great and the uh the young lady who why am I forgetting her name how am I forgetting her name the Adam Devine's love interest oh Nina I feel as though she was like almost the catalyst. I, I feel as though, and it wasn't her performance, but her character. I do feel as though her character was, for lack of a better term, the weakest. It, and I get it was because he was the fish out of water, almost where things were happening to him, and I feel as though Nina's character was just along for the ride, Parker. Well, I think, yeah, Parker was her name, was just along for the ride and didn't have a huge impact other than her being the outlaw, which I feel was a bit of a detriment to her acting abilities, you know? So that's just my opinion, once again. But overall, I will say the first 20 minutes, I was okay, kind of, uh, not simple humor, but like okay, low hanging fruit, little jokes that didn't quite to me pay off for work, and then they slowly started building, and it was like, okay, but once again, it was playing off of the seriousness, and I will say the last thing the um i I might mess up her name, but the one who played rahan porna, and I think I'm a butcher last name uh. Jag and Nathan maybe porn Jagan Nathan her character intrigued me I feel as though <laughs> and this might have been purposeful I feel as though her character is very arched to the point like she was playing almost like a a doctor evil character whereas okay you're being the arch villain right now but then she but when she had The more nuanced deliveries I enjoyed, but some of the stuff I felt was over the top. Like when she told Pierce that she would eat his, you know what, like corn on the cob. I thought that was like, okay, ah, that could have been better. But then a lot of her quips, her little quick fire quips to other people. I thought those were fantastic. That's not a slight against her. It might have been in the writing because the writing I wasn't the biggest fan of from a dialogue standpoint the the best in my opinion dialogue scene would be the uh when they were the everybody the six main people were all at the lunch and they were talking about <laughs> Julie's characters talking about the orgies of Dan Marino and that quick fire that was great I loved the dialogue I feel as though the the writing, of this particular piece, which was written by Ben Zazoff and Evan Turner. I feel as though it really, really shined when there were numerous people, six people in the scene, or like I said, the scene with Lil Ray, uh, Michael Roker, Julie and Richard, when it was four, six people, those scenes, they moved, they were moving. It was like snappy. It was fun. But anytime there were like the one or two, like Adam and Nina, not too fond of it, or even, and I, I feel as those, some of the scenes of Adam, any of the slower bits where there weren't a lot of people were my least favorite dialogue scenes in the whole thing. So, anywho, that's my my breakdown of each uh, little department, should I say, and the lighting, I mean, it's a comedy, so. Uh, n- nothing against lighting. I think the lighting would really stick out in a situation like this is if it was horrible <laughs> but so yeah, I will say still pleasantly surprised I was not thinking that I would like this as much as I would have because some sophomoric that's the word I was looking for sorry, I had a little brain like snap to. It sophomoric comedy that was happening in the first 20 minutes. That's the word I was looking for. Not simple. But uh, so I, yes, I enjoyed this. The pacing picked up around after the 20 minute mark, it started, the ball started rolling and it was funny, especially some of the ensemble scenes and sequences. But the Adam Devine, when he was by himself or just one other, it was a little rough, for me, like the the scene with the car, that's a little rough to me. And the the scene with him sneaking into the place with the dogs was kind of funny initially. Like he kicked a little dog and it was like, oh, OK, that's kind of funny. But then it went a little overboard with the 12 dogs and then it kind of got better with the branch. But then there's also that his character was never in any real danger. And I think. That would have helped that those scenes, if that makes sense. Anyway, it's just my opinion. Now, overall, I would say, yeah, go, you know, you're looking for something funny to watch, definitely watch it. I enjoyed it. I don't regret watching it. I've definitely seen worse. (laughs) But seriously, I enjoyed this this film. The the casting was great. I mean, the casting. Casting was done by Sydney, Shercliffe and Marie sorry if I messed up the last name, very new. So congratulations on everybody, man. This was well done. This was a, oh, sorry. And the cinematographer was Michael Bonvillain. That's a fucking bad-ass name. Michael Bonvillain. What? Like, come on. Let's see. Oh yeah. He's okay. Yeah. He's the D- DP Cloverfield, which was definitely an interesting I like everything that he's done so far as a DP. He did Zombieland. That was nicely done. That was a nice comedy. Anyway, Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters. Didn't really like that one a whole lot. But yeah, so I enjoyed this, man, a lot more than I thought. I'm happy that I watched it. Happy that this was the first comedy. If I, I, I'm happy that it wasn't a comedy that I watched and hated because <laughs> that would suck. So yeah. Anywho, thank you guys so much for hopefully watching. If you watched it uh, and decided to listen to see what I had to say, I greatly, greatly appreciate it. So thank you once again for listening in to me discuss, give my subjective view on the outlaws. I will say one thing, you know, there's one thing comedy to me is hard and because it can be so subjective, you know, like you do a drama piece, then you're thinking about the acting in the story. But with comedy, there's so many elements of comedy, dark comedy, dark humor, gag humor, you know, uh, physical comedy. There's so many elements. And depending on who you are, you may like some and then not others. Like I said, I'm not a big, big fan of like body humor, like, you know, farts and vomit and stuff. I'm not a big fan of stuff like that, you know. But others might be. I do tend to prefer darker comedies and stuff of that nature. With slapstick, that's another one. So to me, I feel as though comedy is one of those things that can be pretty hard to knock out, but I feel as though they set the tone for what they want to do for this one, and I feel as though they knocked out of, out of the park, honestly. And this is me speaking from somebody who doesn't typically like films like this with this this type of comedy film. I enjoyed it. So bravo, guys. Well done. And I say that as somebody I, I've i tried my hand at writing comedy and it is by far the hardest writing that I have done. So <laughs> kudos to people that just knock it out of the park because, man. I can sit there and think of a concept and write some dramatic stuff all day. But when it comes to comedy, it's a little hard. But I also think I wonder, I think part of the the key, and I wonder how many people would agree with me, to when you are doing comedy, well, I, I think any art form, you should be making art that you want to see or that you want to make. I think that's the important thing. But I think when it comes to comedy, that is even more important. You know, if you're doing like, transformers kind of film then you are doing a film that you that you're trying to make for everybody's enjoyment or a particular demographic or what have you but i feel as though with comedy and comedy i feel is the almost has to be personal it has to be what you think is funny what you want to see and then hopefully other people can get on board and enjoy, it, you know, or come around to it after watching it. That's my opinion. So thank you, guys. This has been an, another episode. This has been a fun one. I like this one. I kind of wish I had a not a partner, a, a teammate to talk about this one. So that that's coming soon. Um, I'm hoping to get a buddy of mine. My writing partner can hopefully join me on the next one, when we, uh, discuss, uh, uh action, a little action movie starring Mr. Tom Cruise, as we mentioned in the in- intermission. So yeah, hopefully you guys are tuning in for that. We're going to review that one and talk about it. So thank you guys. Seriously, this has been fun, like more fun than I thought it would be. So thanks. Y'all make sure if you do me a favor, just share it, tell your friends, T- tell everybody, follow me on the social medias. J Jay Starks, J A Y E S T A R K E S. And in fact, if you go to my website, jstarks.com, you have all my social media there. And then you can even, you know, if you, if you're froggy, you can check out my Vimeo where I have some of my short films that I've done over the years. So it'll be cool. Leave a note, a comment. I would be very interested to get your opinions of it so I can grow as an artist. Thank you guys. Y'all do me a favor. No matter what your creative endeavor is in life your art you know process painter musician whatever go out there create make art because art is love everybody thank you guys for listening and i'll see you guys on the next one bye-bye